0: Namaste friends, you're listening to Impact India, a podcast that deep dives into the epic stories and innovation coming from the startup scene in India, with a focus on travel, fashion, and tech. Each episode, I sit down with incredibly inspiring social entrepreneurs across the country to hear their story, learn about their initiatives, and listen to their why. Looking for the newest and coolest social impact brands in travel, fashion, and tech? Jump over to causeartist.com and join our community. Oh yeah, and I'm your host, Jasmine Rain, director of content at Cause Artist and social entrepreneur. I'm the co-founder and owner of Hada House, India's first zero-waste travel organization and hotel chain. You can connect with me on social media at Jasmine Rain. All right, no more stalling. It's time to meet India's next generation of impact influencers. Let's get it. On today's episode, I got the chance to sit down with Kriti Tula, a creative director at Doodlage. Doodlage is India's first zero-waste fashion brand based in New Delhi. Over tea at Cafe Inside Stories in Saket, New Delhi, we chatted about zero-waste in India and around the world, what issues India is facing as a production-oriented country, and how Doodlage is leading the way for upcoming designers focused on sustainability. What I love about South Delhi right now is that there's so much more innovation and people, young people are coming up with all these amazing ideas, whether it's in hospitality and tourism or fashion or just in general, more awareness about our environmental responsibility and our social responsibilities within society.
1: Yeah, that is true. The scene in Delhi and in India in general is changing, uh, like you said, in hospitality and design, uh, because people are traveling a lot more as well. So most young entrepreneurs want to bring something new to the table today which is quite interesting
0: how does that make you feel as one of those cool inspiring <laughs>
1: entrepreneurs that's bringing
0: coolness to the table
1: it is it's a lot of um, fun it's a lot of excitement to do something new and i've lived in like london for 3 years so when i came like when i was there, I knew that there's so many things that are happening every day, well, progressed in terms of the market so much, but when you come back to India, there's so much more to do, Mm -hmm. Um, and that's kept me really excited for Duvillage, and uh, also gave me the strength to go ahead for doing something like this. And uh, once you start getting that response, and the number of people who have connected to us with... Us not spending anything at all in marketing till Mm -hmm. date has been great. Like, we get messages every day saying things like, This is the best brand in India, and (laughs) you know, I would love to be a part of it. We get so many applications, and every day I just feel how to grow this bigger and bigger to consume and connect to so many more. Young designers to allow them to do something uh, for the environment, and I actually want to grow this brand to a scale that allows them, you know, to be a part of the hmm.
0: It's really interesting that you know until recently marketing hasn't really marketing budget hasn't been a part of of the budget at all. So what? Where does all of that inspiration and innov- like where does that motivation for people to reach out come from? Like people are obviously actively looking for yeah. alternative fashion brands in India so can you tell us a little bit more about what they're saying when they reach out and are they struggling to find resources as well so there are two things that uh, keeps me genuinely
1: going every day one is the number of people who approach us saying you know how can we be a part of tutelage and how can we help you grow Uh, this is what my background is people from various fields it doesn't even have to be fashion anymore It's just young people who are committed to make a difference and are trying to be a part of organizations who are trying to do this, you know, make this change um, in our landscapes. Um, So that sort of has always kept me going. We have never done any kind of marketing per se, but, you know, we're living in this environment and everybody can see the effects of uh, pollution, the way we've been consuming, um, and there is a niche audience who wants to consume this and then there's a bigger audience who wants to do more than what they're doing right now. So it's what is important for me while I'm scaling up is to be able to can, let all those people somehow become a part of what we do. Mm-hmm. Uh, And to make our product more and more accessible, which is why we're running a crowdfunding campaign as well that once we're able to get economies of scale, we're able to make our product more accessible, we will be able to uh, Target a slightly more price-conscious market that India um, sort of has
0: So tell me well, I mean, tell us. I already know all about you. I'm your, I'm your biggest fan. But you've been so
1: helpful. It's not, it's the, I'm not even kidding. Right. Well,
0: yes. well, what you're doing inspires me. I mean, zero waste is still a relatively new concept, even in the West. So yeah. to have it in a place where mass consumption and waste management are huge problems and are, you know, very tangible things yes. like we are breathing in. Uh, the, the 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 result of of what's happening in this yeah. country. I mean, today's pollution rating is like seven hundred and thirty-one. You know, the scale only goes to five hundred. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. <And that's, laughs> There's my cough to prove exactly. it. Exactly,
1: <laughs> and it's that's exactly what I'm saying. That people want to connect to such brands because what do we do? Like, we cannot leave everything for the government to sort and somebody else to come in and help. But younger people are just genuinely concerned about how to make this place a more livable place because we hopefully have, you know, a couple of more decades to live. And it I hope is so. possible <laughs> to live like this, to get up every day coughing. And be, like, there are genuine implications of it on, uh, you know, kids that are growing up, pe- older people who have uh, weaker lungs, and we're going to get there. Mm-hmm. And
0: it's getting more and more difficult to sustain in this environment. All right, well, let's go back in time. Mm-hmm. So tell us about Kriti. Tell us all the things, who are you? Tell us about your history. Go back to, go back a few decades. A few give, decades. Give, us a, give us an overview.
1: <laughs> See, uh, I love how you make
0: me sound really old, <laughs> but. Few... She's not old, by the way.
1: She's super young. How old are you? I'm, I've turned 30.
0: She just turned 30, ladies and gentlemen. (laughs) No,
1: I turned 30 in October, yeah.
0: And a lot to to show for what you've accomplished over your 30 years, so give us an overview.
1: I had, um, so I've grown up in Delhi, Uh, I've lived some 24 years of my life in Delhi. Um, I was in London for a bit, uh, and I was in Lucknow for a bit, but mostly in Delhi um i have completed my schooling here i've grown up with friends and people here so we've seen the city and its landscape change over 30 years (laughs) and it's um it's growing tragically almost and you would as an individual want to do something to change change it um growing up i I've, i've been trained as a designer in Delhi, and I uh, got a scholarship to do my masters in London, uh, which is where I spent three years of my life. And I came back to start Dutledge, um, and it's always been a learning experience. I've spent time understanding fashion, working from uh, you know the eastern side of fashion to the western side of fashion, working at uh, building and creating clothes to selling and marketing and advertising it, working on the website uh, and application building side of fashion. And in all of this time, I have only grown to understand that there are so many problems in this industry (laughs) that somebody has to start working to fix it. And genuinely, before getting into doodlage, I hoped and prayed that somebody will take the initiative beyond using organic cotton. to actually talk about the issues in the fashion industry and help people connect and see that it's not just that white T-shirt that you're buying, it's not just, uh, you know, that discounted piece that you bought. There is so much that is going on behind the scenes in making a product, and it's genuinely time to have alternative uh, shopping options in the country, like. If you travel and you've been always traveling, you know that everywhere else around the world you would see thrift stores, you would see reselling spaces, you have Oxfam, you have collection centers. We are consuming at an insane rate. We have a massive population who is crazy about discount hunting, but they don't genuinely understand how many pieces can you purchase and what happens to them. We have nothing to collect these garments. We have no places to resell these garments. We have no thrift stores in the country. So, you're just buying and throwing and giving it out to charity and after that it just ends up in landfills.
0: It's funny because for a country that is, you know, always been at the highlight of the, of the production side yeah. of the industry, it seems odd that people wouldn't connect the two, the actual consumption side and then what's happening on the production side for these major brands that they're buying from and ex- how unethical and unsustainable, you know, it is when you open that curtain. You know, yeah. why do you think there is a disconnect there when it all seems to be happening, and happening in this one space? Yeah,
1: and... I have spent so much time (laughs) to understand as to how can something like this change in like 15 years it's genuinely just been that long since consumption increased, western brands came to our country Uh, and there has been such a spike in the amount of money that people have been earning so nobody from like 15 years back we would get as a part of our culture, everybody would just buy one product in the family and it doesn't matter if, your bro- if you have a brother or a sister, you will wear their clothes. <laughs> <laughs> your mother will find a way to fit you into it. <laughs> and that's just how it works. You repair, you uh, take your old saris and make uh, suits or lehengas or other traditional wear and even once you're done doing that, you'd make your luggage bags and things like that out of it. That's how we've, that's how we grew up. But as soon as our buying capacity changed, various business opportunities came to India. MNCs came to India. The way people were earning changed. The way people consumed changed too. It was no longer uh, cool to repair your clothes. Even today, we have alteration guys. We have. Uh, people who can fix your clothes available at every corner of the city. But all of that is, a, you know, dying as an art. Artisans are moving out, uh, people are trying to find different ways. Nobody wants their children to go into the same field of stitching or embroidering anymore. Uh, and all of that has changed in the last 15 years.
0: And that's also only based on Western influence, you think?
1: That's solely based on the way people have started consuming and how uh, you know marketing in the fashion industry and it's not a Western influence that is how Western world also changed. There was a time that obviously the entire Western world was producing within their you know cities. All of that started getting outsourced into other countries and that is how they got distanced from you know what's happening behind the scenes. For us fever we again uh, as soon as there are there is money coming into the country people are buying more and more and every advertisement out there is telling you to buy more uh, see retail as a shopping therapy mm. uh, if you're feeling low go shop if you're feeling, if you are if something's happened go shop if you're if you have fever go shop it will mm. make you <laughs> feel better right and it that as advertising over the years has made people, uh, you know, one believe that it's easier to shop than to go repair and it's not cool enough and it, it's miser, it's like you cannot purchase anymore. So there's so many notions that have over the years built into our system that you, you don't understand as to how that has led over the years. And what has come on us to believe that? And how did we start get like once you start peeling all of those layers, you sort of start realizing that you know it's it's something that has been consciously put into place, and now everybody in the fashion industry is battling that problem yeah. as to what do we do? Uh, we've been telling people to buy more and more. Our prices have gone down. We have to sustain the setup that we have built now. But now we have to figure out a way to actually fix all of those fabrics, fix all of those garments, which we have been purchasing at a certain rate. And there's so many lives and livelihoods that are dependent in the fashion industry now. So um, it's
0: a big change that has happened. Yeah. It's funny, I was actually reading an article not too long ago. I think it was Christian Dior who was the first major high fashion brand to actually start manufacturing outside of Europe yeah and it's amazing how you know when you think high fashion you're thinking you know made in Europe made in the destination yeah. and you know they were one of the first brands to out uh, to export or, sorry, or to export their manufacturing processes yeah. to like places like China and Vietnam and um, and it seems like that's still very present here even in India like I'm still seeing so much product made in China yeah but, you know, India is this massive production hub, so why is that even happening here in Asia when we have the resources available to make everything in-country and make it more affordable that yeah. way and provide more jobs? Yeah. So can you speak to that a little bit?
1: <laughs> it's, a, it's a mix of things, actually the Indian culture has There's so many historical and cultural influences that revolve around every country that has been colonized in the past. So they look up to certain brands and as soon as you start, you're able to afford those brands, you start shifting your, you know, it's it's a level up for an Indian consumer to sort of be able to buy a global brand. And if you see, there are not a lot of global brands that India has produced over the years. We have been producing for the world, but we, like, you can't name a global brand. You you would know brands like Satya to exist or to have names for Indian wear outside. But as soon as people start earning more and more, they start, you know, they want to buy better products. They want to buy international brands. They want to buy internationally known names, like like a Christian Dior or a Burberry or even a Zara or a Muji and all of these brands coming into India people have been sort of diverting their attentions into purchasing those and it's I think I've spoken to you about it in the past as well that I don't understand as to how India has <laughs> not produced a global brand date. yeah we have we produce for the world we design for the world
0: mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> And Indian, you know, Indian cultural fashion, I mean, culture appropriation aside, it yeah. still very much influences mainstream, you know, everyday fashion that's on trend currently yeah. and yeah. continues to be yeah. on trend. well, um, I mean, there's some brands like I mean Fab India seems yeah. to have spread quite actually, a bit into Europe, at
1: least. Actually. If you think about a, a global brand from India, that would be one of them. But again, if you see Fab India products, it would still not be you know, globally consumed products. Oh no, was, it's totally yeah. still
0: a very traditional Should, cultural way. Yeah,
1: yeah. So it's 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 that. Like you wouldn't find a Zara out of India, or you would find you wouldn't find a, a Muji out of India. While everybody in the world is dressing up pretty much the same way today.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's a whole other conversation. <laughs> okay, so let's talk about dudlech. Yeah. Tell me. Tell me, what is Doodledge. I mean, I know all the things as your number one <laughs> fan, but tell us about Doodledge, and where, how how the idea really sparks from everything you've seen in the fashion industry and coming back from London and wanting to do good here in Delhi. Yeah,
1: so, uh, I love talking about Doodledge. Uh, I'm, I'm glad. <laughs> <laughs> it's, there's so much that's happening right now in, you know, ad tutelage and every day we've so last two years like i have quit my job only two years back so before that i was like struggling to figure out a job and then sustaining the brand and then two years back i decided that you know this needs a lot more attention. There's so much to do and since then there has been so much going on at Doodlage. It just surprises me as to how I was doing two
0: jobs at all. Because <laughs> you're a superwoman? But, but it, was,
1: it was crazy and since then we have uh, introduced so many different aspects to Doodlage from introducing our stationery line to our Menza collection to getting into t-shirts to getting into you know smaller products only to make sure that something that we started with was managing other people's waste. But as you scale up, obviously you start producing a lot more waste of your own. Every little uh, product category that we have diversified in has literally come from a, as a solution to the waste that we had started producing. And as we grow, we want to keep that as a practice. At Tutelage, my vision is to grow it as a solution-based brand to all the problems that we're facing today, Um, especially in the fashion industry. Um, How I started this brand was mainly in second year of college. So the education system in the country uh, doesn't really counsel you to decide as to what is it that you're inclined towards in any industry. The most common industries that you would see all kids joining after school would be engineering, being a doctor, or doing MBA eventually. So designing was, like nobody I knew had done designing in that. And like I said, about 10 years back, it wasn't a field that, it could be a hobby, Like you could do photography, you can learn how to stitch, but you would not take this as a real thing to do. Most people in my batch did two degrees so that they know that if designing failed, they could do, you know, BCom or something like that as well. Um, So second year of college, I was sure that I have no idea what I'm doing in fashion. I like designing, but I don't know how I ended up in fashion. And I knew that it was mainly lack of knowledge. But as I dug deeper and deeper and went through my internships from massive export houses to Uh, small designer units to understanding the amount of people in the country that are connected to this one field. I understood that you know there's so many layers to fashion, and there's so many beautiful stories that just are left behind and are like as a industry is just so glamorized that you don't really understand who are the people who are actually making it all the supermodels and the facades and the celebrities make the fashion industry right now but the people who actually matter are the people who have gotten into organic cotton for example uh, for farming and taking that step in india to grow organic cotton versus conventional cotton or artisans who are still carrying their art from ages or um, families that have survived on very little income mm-hmm. and still stuck to the field. So these are stories that were never communicated. And fast fashion sort of changed that completely. making Because as soon as you get to know about these stories, you don't find fashion so disposable. Because there are actual people who are behind making these clothes. And it's not just, you know, wearing and throwing and wearing and throwing. Um, As you make cheaper and cheaper clothes, somebody somewhere is getting affected for it. And that's the whole idea of, for me, to take sustainable fashion and communicating and giving voices to those people. And always being connected to my production houses. Where am I working? Who is producing my pieces? All of these became very important to me and uh, working in the fashion industry everybody like i know that i do what i do but n- anybody will support me to tell me that nobody in the fashion industry can tell you that there's no fashion there's no wastages mm. it's an obvious um, side effect of what what we do uh, and when i saw it i wanted to do something about it and hence doodledge was something that i decided that i would get into even the name Doodlech for that matter i knew when i was uh i think 20 that when i start a label this is what's going to be about and this is what it's going to be called and this is what i'm going to do with it uh, but it was a struggle to understand to get connections in export houses, to ask them to give their fabric scraps to us, to organize the fabric scraps to be given to a small label like us because they're producing 45,000 meters of fabric waste every day. (laughs) My goodness. So telling them that, you know, can you give me like some 100 meters out of that doesn't really make any impact to them or they don't want to do the work towards it. So it was a lot of struggle for us to understand. And when I started the brand, I actually worked with post-consumer waste Mm. only. Uh, Got garments, redid them, upcycled them. But I was sure that I want to make a brand which is able to give or generate employment, uh, to scale that label, to understand the market and what is acceptable to them at this point. Um, And that was a learning curve for the last three years and we moved from post-consumer waste to post-production waste only. Uh, And eventually I hope I'm able to do something with the post-consumer waste as well. Uh, But as of now we started taking garment and fabric wastes from which are rejected, has problems, have weaving defects, fabrics, cut pieces and just designing our collections with limited raw materials that come to us. Whatever we started wasting also become, became like a lot eventually. Um, then we started patching them together and cutting new pieces out of that. So that was stage two of production for us. Then whatever was after, after that, now these are such small scraps that you really couldn't do anything with it. So we started shredding those down and uh, making our accessories out of it. So we made beautiful duffel bags and passport cases, card holders, wallets, pretty much anything and everything from uh, home accessories to like cushion covers, bed runners, uh, to you know wallet, bags, clutches. But then there was a problem that we faced that the darker color stories could always be made into these products, but the lighter color stories we were not able to consume in products like this. And um, that is when we decided that let's make paper out of it. And we found somebody who could make paper for us out of it. And we've recently we're actually working towards launching our stationery line um, out of fabric waste that are lighter in color. So it's it's we have and. Because there's nobody teaching us, showing us what all can be done, it takes a little while to understand how you can make sure that what you started the brand out with, you're able to see it through while you grow as
0: well. That's really beautiful because it really places you in this... You know, you might not see it yourself, but you are a leader for the circular fashion industry in India. I mean, no one else is. I mean, nobody really in the world is scaling as quickly as Zodilij is, and you are based in a country that doesn't even like internationally they don't even focus on the design element. Like you are, you are a huge inspiration for the next generation of designers that are going to going to come out of India and beyond, and that's really exciting. And the growth is amazing.
1: <laughs> what is really exciting for us as well is that there are a lot of smaller labels uh, that either want to do something with us, help them create collections like that, or at least Doolage in the past has been able to inspire smaller labels to think about sustainability like that and see that you know it is a potential business model. You just have to find your way into it because before us genuinely and i'm not you know boasting it but before this it was such a scary path there were always like smaller spaces who would do upcycling and would never think about making this as a sustainable business model altogether And with Doodleage, I feel that designers, especially the younger designers, like there are so many really nice brands, very extremely creative brands that are coming out of India, thinking about ways to upcycle and how to upcycle and creating really fun shirts and things like that um, through upcycling. So it's, and I'm never, like usually in interviews people, talk to me about, you know, there are these brands who are coming up, how do you feel about that? And I have nothing else but a lot of love for all of these spaces because it's not a single brand's job to be able to do it. If we can make this product more and more accessible, stick to our own creative senses, we'll actually be able to reach a lot more people, allow them to shop these products and help them, you know, consume differently. So I'm, I'm quite happy to be able to reach anybody. <laughs> actually, it, it, wasn't a, it wasn't a plan, but I am actually quite happy that uh, there are people who are making great brands in India and I hope they scale in <laughs> There is so much to be done that I yes. feel that, like I would want these products to actually be more and more accessible like if you travel within uh, you know India for example you would want to see zero waste stores in our country you would want to see more sustainable options in the country and not just India like you said that everywhere else around the world it's such a new movement but there are so many conversations that are happening around it there really needs to be the right amount of funds to be able to support these, uh, you know, brands and ideas to make the environment that we're living in a lot more breathable, a lot more livable,
0: and the changes need to, you know, be much faster. Well, so thank you for helping the world get there, because <laughs> there is a lot of work to do. But yeah. you know, what's beautiful is that although. sometimes we get so bogged down with thinking like ah, there's There's so much much to to do do. (laughs)
1: literally like I I, the first meeting that we had it was about the same thing (laughs) I
0: remember this (laughs) you know there is
1: so much to do and so many times you feel like it's overwhelming what can one person do and all of those thoughts just constantly like bubble around your head but either you can live with those and not do anything or you could come on board and actually be a part of this.
0: Well, yeah, I mean, actually, if you think about it, it was probably exactly almost a year ago that we sat down and met and, you know, had this discussion about sustainable fashion in India and I think we've both already seen so much growth. Yeah. And even just here in Delhi, I I mean, you know, Bangalore has kind of always been on this social innovation path and they're incredible. But, you know... You'd think more would be coming out of Mumbai, you'd think more would be coming out of the South, but Delhi is becoming a true leader for this, and you know, I think it's wonderful that it's these amazing young people like yourself who are leading that path for the next generation to just kick ass and yeah. take over.
1: And to believe <laughs> in it, to be able to say that, to be able to think about it when you're starting a business at every level in any field, the kind of wastages that you'd be creating and incurring and many new startups within the country are actually thinking about it as to you know, how to be more carbon neutral, how to neutralize your plastic usage, and in whatever capacity that they can, which is, which is a great uh, you know, show of, uh, of the fact that all these new young businesses are actually thinking about uh, how to be environment friendly while growing it. And uh, it, it's been great so far. And every day, every new business that has been coming up has been extremely inspiring. Yeah. So I just hope that we get there, and we get to hire more and more people, and create more and more noise about sustainability and fashion, and make our products more and more accessible around the country
0: and the world. I think right there, the key language is, we will. And we, we will. will. <laughs> Yeah. Well, as always, it is so lovely chatting with you. I you inspire me consistently and I love I love personally sharing your story with others around India and the world. So, thank you again for sitting with me and thank you
1: always <laughs> to take everything in such great spirit. And all, like it's always um, if I'm feeling down, I just give you a call, and you like, no, everything is fine. We're all good. Everybody's changing. World's changing, and it it just uh, is always so nice to
0: connect to you. Thank you. Well, the feeling is very mutual. <laughs> give me a hug over it. No one can feel hug. But I can feel the hug. I know. <laughs> well, thank you, Katie, yeah. and um, I know the world will be watching. I hope. Amazing. I hope.
1: Uh, everybody joins this movement, (laughs) yeah, and we get there much faster.
0: Ha! Feeling inspired? See what other impact stories we have to share over on carsartist.com. Be sure to subscribe for weekly updates from Grant and I about content, giveaways, and new episodes from Disruptors for Good and Impact India. Looking to learn more about social impact and conscious living in India? Hit me up on Instagram at Jasmine Rain. Cheers, friends!